I'm here with Jason Rowe, and uh, we're going to start uh, casting. So, Jason, I hate to say this, but we've been friends for a long period of time. I don't hate to say that part. What I hate to say is I get what's it. coming. I understand. All right. <laughs> what I hate to say is what's coming. We lived through some good old days. Definitely. Things were way different back when we officed together, and it hasn't been. What, what's it been? Less than five years? For the changes? Yeah. Uh, I would The changes have been coming probably for about a decade. We've yeah. started to see the results of the changes, I would say, over the last five or six years. Yeah. Um, I've probably seen them more from the internal side of things, but it, publicly, five probably five years. I, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. So five years is when you basically started going, I, I, you can't make money in bail bonds, and that's your company, one of, one of your companies. It is. And bail bonds was becoming a rough industry. So the entire industry has changed. It, it's always evolving. Uh, it's, it, they've been trying to change it for a million years ever since I've been involved in it. I've been hearing that the change is coming, the change is coming. And there's a lot of gray areas in bail especially since the social justice push has come into play, that has changed the dynamics of it as well. Um, some good things, some bad. You know, it just depends on what, what angle you're looking at. As far as bail goes, there's, there's two different kinds of bail as far as for a company. There's what's called street bail, which is the daily phone calls that you're going to receive for people that get locked up. Maybe they're pulled over in a traffic stop and it's an outstanding warrant possibly or they get picked up, whatever it may be. Then there's referral bail, which you're gonna get from attorneys, uh, people that are involved in that world. Street bail is still pretty active. The referral side of things has really slowed down quite a bit because by the time the attorney gets the case, they're usually released on pretrial services. Right. Unless the case has some kind of stipulation that they're clearly not gonna be released without bail. But you're seeing more and more of that pre-trial services being activated. So. Right. You have more stories than John Wayne could make up. <laughs> Unfortunately, there might be some truth to that. There, there's some truth to that because it happened right here oftentimes. And it was interesting to see the humanity of you and your company, uh, the way, the culture that you created. Because you would call after one of the folks that you would help on bail, and they would end up, hiring the Arizona firm and we're representing them and whatever. And you would check up on them. Hey, how, how things going with, you know, John Doe or Jane Doe, how are things going? And I never got a call ever from another bondsman. Right. Ever. And and that was before you lived here with us. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I always had a high respect for that culture that you had because those that worked for you too were the same way. And I really enjoyed that. Now they're in pretrial services, you just mentioned. Correct. And so they don't have any skin in the game. Mm-hmm. So some of my recollections are folks that are bringing in half the dining room, um, <laughs> 40 two percent of whatever was in grandpa's shed yeah there's uh there's quite a few things that i've acquired over the years right. Right. a title or seven mm-hmm. uh, to whatever 
that would sit in the parking lot for quite a time. Sorry. And it's all good. We, 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 that's statute of limitations is yeah. run on that. All right, good. We can talk about <laughs> we that We can now. talk about it now. Uh, you know, we'd have 15 cars out there, and you're like, I don't know which one goes. To, uh, I, oh. I, <laughs> it was interesting, but they had skin in the game. Yes. They wanted to be out of jail while their criminal matter was pending, mm-hmm. and that's why they came in with everything they could possibly get their hands on to meet their end, their obligation of a bail. So what does that look like? What, what is their obligation? What is someone that wants to post a bond? What do they have to do? Okay, so the in the state of Arizona, and I'm not going to speak for anywhere else because the laws will vary state to state. Right. Uh, for our company, what was required at that time period that we're referring to is I would take anything of value for collateral. And collateral could mean, uh, it could be as basic as a, a microwave. Yep. Okay, which... Saw some be, of those. Yep. It could be as something as simple as that, almost like a pawn shop style of uh, material yeah. that I could have a value that I could secure that bond with. So let's, let's call it a $1,000 bond. Right. If a person has a $1,000 bond, their family member, friend, whoever, they're called the indemnitor. That particular person will be the one that's responsible ultimately for the contract that we have. I don't work for the defendant. I work for the indemnitor. So the indemnitor has control of this situation. It's whoever paid for correct 10% normally? So the, the fee is 10% of the cost of the bond. So okay. if it's a $1,000 bond, in this situation, it would be $100. And then I would secure that bond with collateral. That being any kind of random item that I could either physically possess or put a lien on. Vehicle title, uh, property, residential house, whatever it may be. Uh, Once the bond is released or I receive what's called the exoneration of bond, then I will release the collateral back to the indemnitor. I don't physically hold that. It's, it's, It's not my property. It's only there in the event that the defendant doesn't perform. And I have to liquidate that to pay the court. So let's go back to defendant doesn't perform, meaning he doesn't show up to court. Correct. He doesn't uh, continue to live, he or she doesn't continue to live uh, a law-abiding life. Because they have release conditions. They do. And they have to do certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, When they have a bond, really they're, they're checking in with you. Correct. They're in technically in my custody right. when they're released. Right. So the the defendant, depending on the on the situation and the crime that they're that they're fighting um, during their court process, there's several hoops they have to jump through. There potentially could be a probation officer already involved from previous times. Right. There is the conditions of their release from right. the court. Then there are their conditions of release from the bail company. So there's a bunch of different rules here that they have to follow. And unfortunately, sometimes it becomes overwhelming for them. Right. Not necessarily they have uh, the intent in not performing. They just can't keep it together in a lot of situations. What I liked about you is you seem to clean that up for them. Because I didn't have a lot of washouts. And we had some pretty good sized cases and pretty a lot of moving parts to, and a lot of issues mm-hmm. that they were trying to tackle, which I always found interesting that when they were in your custody, 
most, not all, we we can't profess 100% here, but most, we'd love to, but most did far better than how they would perform and what we're seeing in pretrial services now. I would agree with that. They trip on... They trip on the smallest of things, and the the, the remedy there um, with pretrial is sling them in the in, in, in jail. Mm-hmm. And at some point, usually it doesn't take a whole lot of time. At some point, they're wanting to take any deal they can get their hands on to get out of jail and get into prison, right? Or get out of jail and get on to probation, a lengthy term of probation. It they're in a hurry. They're they're pressuring. The law firm, hey, their defense attorney, hey, come on, get me out of here, get me out of here. And they're pressuring it through family members, mom, dad. You've seen all of this mm-hmm. firsthand. Um, you've had to arrest a lot of people and take them on over to the authorities um, so you could protect the indemnitor. Mm-hmm. So I understand that whole thing, right? And sometimes the indemnitor is themselves. It is. And where that gets a little tricky is if the defendant is the indemnitor where they post their own property, their own home, whatever it may be, there's a gray line there. Okay, it's their own stuff that they're going to lose, but I have an obligation to the court to make sure that this individual shows up for their right. trial, their court hearing, whatever it may be. So if I have any inclination that that is not going to happen, then I will step in and then potentially take them into custody if necessary to ensure that they're going to appear. And arresting people was not your favorite thing to do. No, you know what? Can I roll back to the beginning of this, if you don't mind? So when I first got involved in the bail bond thing, my mentality for this was kind of, uh, it was twofold. I originally, when I got out of college, I wanted to go to law school. I was going to become a cop and then go to law school. That was my plan. Sidetracked, got married, kids come into play. Everything got derailed. Right. You're from Boston. That happens. It, things happen. Like, right. Yeah. They, you know, get woo over here. Right. And I start looking at other things. So <laughs> um, I end up getting involved in the bail thing because, okay, I really don't want to be a cop and I really don't want to be an attorney, but this kind of fit both to where I could be involved in both angles and kind of, you know, get a little taste of, of yeah, both sides, of both sides. Yeah. And then once I got involved, because Prior to me being involved in this, everybody that has done drugs was a bad person. Everybody that committed uh, a crime that was a misdemeanor was a complete idiot. They're, you know, they're bad people. That was the mentality that I had. About two months into this industry, I go, hold on a minute. I am so far off on this. I'm wrong. This is not necessarily what it really is. So my mentality has flipped 180 degrees on this to where... Now I'm looking at people that are just like me or just like my family or just like my kids that are running into these situations that are not necessarily the end of the world, but they need some guidance. Right. So I get involved in this industry and I'm dealing with drug addicts 85% of yep. the time. That, that That's the root cause of their legal troubles. Right. Okay. So I get involved in this and... A lot of companies are all about, hey, let's get the bond, next thing, move on, get the next dollar. Don't get me wrong. I'm in, I'm in business to make money. However, how can I affect a change? Right. Uh, and that's what I looked at from the beginning of this. I'm going, I, I don't know how to deal with these people. I've never experienced this. I've been around drug addicts as a kid, 
but at arm's length. I right. didn't really understand um, the depth of how bad things can get in this situation. So I went to school and educated myself. Yeah, uh, I want to get to that in a minute because okay. that's a pretty cool part of your story. So uh, you want me to skip that for now? Just for now. We're going to okay. come back to it, though. I do okay. love that part Okay. because that intrigued me to no end, that, that you were willing to deep dive to get to understand, okay, what makes an addict an addict? What, how, can, how is an addict best helped, best served, best? And you had seen it. You had served it, you had arrested it, you had helped it along the way, all of the above. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from a fellow with a military background, um, and God bless you for your service, and you have children, in, in I think your daughter serves. She's out now, but she did. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I mean, your kids are great. Um, yes. And a solid family life and, and, and things are hard to juggle when you're juggling all of these other things, these, these broken toys in your life that you were not understanding. But that was my motivation. Right. It really was because... So family was your motivation. My family was the picture that I would look at, and I'm looking at these other families destroyed from decisions possibly or... Uh, maybe it's lifestyle, maybe it's lack of support, whatever the foundation is. But I also know driving down the road when I see that guy standing on the corner begging for money, growing up, I go, get out of here. I don't even want to see you. Get away from me. Now I see that guy and I go, I wonder what that story is. And how far removed is am I or my yeah. family to have to be in that position. Yeah. So when I would see that and get involved with people on a daily basis that are struggling like this and talking to the moms and I've I've had judges have to post bond for their kids. Yeah. I I nobody's immune right. to this to this epidemic that's going on. So that was my motivation is okay, I my family is here and I'm seeing all of this stuff. I don't ever want to be in this position. So how do I learn more about it? Interesting. So I want to educate myself to where I could do anything I can do or everything I can do mm -hmm. to best lead your family and in, in the best way possible. Um, but your son's a stud. I'm a, I'm a fan of him. He's a different cat. I like, He's a I like great that. Kid. He's a great kid. Um, unfortunately for, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, every one of my friends that, talks to him, calls me five minutes later and said, I feel like I was just dealing with you, <laughs> which I don't know how that's going to work out in the long run for him, but um, he, he's evolving as time goes on. And whether it was good or bad influences that he's received over the years, uh, he's taking on some of that. So I, look, I've always loved the way you look at things black, white, straight on, but then take a step back and you evaluate. And I always love that evaluation process that you possess. It intrigues me to no end. It's why we talk forever. I never used to be like that, though. I'm, I was purely judgmental. Yeah. 100%. And okay. I'll own my, my problems and, and the things that I've done over the years. I'll be the first one to say, oh, you were right on that one. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. And, but I was extremely judgmental uh, all the way up until... I mean, maybe 10 years ago when I really got involved in this industry because I don't want to see other people have to go through this. And, and a lot of bail companies, like I said, are 
it's all about, it's in their scope of work, right? right? Their job is to get somebody out of jail and make sure they appear to court. And if they end up back in jail, no big deal. It's a customer. Right. It's a repeat customer. Right. And we have plenty of them. My job or Ooh, goal. Drill down on that. Repeat customer. Drill down on that a little I, bit. I have relationships with people that have been in jail countless times. Couldn't couldn't put a number on the amount right. of times. And they will call us up like we're on retainer. Right. And we have a relationship with them. Hey, I'm in and you know I'm good for it. Can you help me out? And I'll get you as soon as we get out. I'll come and take care of things. And depending on who that is, we could potentially work with that. Yeah. Um, we'd have to get somebody else involved to for some signatures and you know some of the compliance sure. issues. However, some of these people have been in my world since day one right. and probably will be for an extended period of time because that's the lifestyle they choose. Yeah. They're not interested in changing right. in a lot of situations. Right. The ones that I was interested in helping were the ones that really didn't want to live this lifestyle. Right. And that's kind of where it evolved. For me. Okay, yeah, let's put pause on that because some years ago... Okay, I wasn't, maybe I was more jaded, less jaded. I don't even know how to put it, but mm -hmm. you said about a decade ago, you started kind of looking at that guy in the corner a little bit differently. I just didn't, how, how bad is it that you end up here? Right, that so, you can sleep on a concrete floor right. every night. It, so you got to be pretty bad off for that. And so your last year, yesterday's thought was, it's a bum. Your today's thought is what got him there. Well, I've seen it firsthand. That bum that we're talking about, right? You, instantly, you automatically go to their poverty stricken. Yeah. Um, they probably had no support right. growing up. They just kind of, or they lost their job. There's a substance abuse issue, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Then as time goes on, I'm finding uh, during times when we have to go and arrest people and we have to go looking for them, they're surfing couches and they're doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah come to find out that they actually had a home lifestyle that was far superior than I ever did. Right. Uh, and here we are. Right. So how did we get here? Right. Was there abuse in the household? Was there traumatic experiences? Was there, maybe all the above? Right. I, I, who knows? Right. But it wasn't my point to that is, is it wasn't just somebody who's poverty stricken or a demographic of somebody who has no options. Right. It's not the case. Some time ago, so back when I was a lot less experienced and we represented, the firm represented, and I was part of this. I was the lead guy. This has been many years ago. Oh, gosh, 15, 17 years ago in there. Mm -hmm. And I'd represented this guy's wife. And this guy's wife was, uh, was a Native American, uh, Pima Indian. That's about as far as I'm going to go with the description here. And she was strung out on meth, and it drove this Latino, uh, her husband, and they had a couple of kids together, and he was far older than her, like way older than her. Like these guys come in at 60, 65. I used to think for far older, but back then, in my mind's eye, that was old. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't seem that now your uh, ticket's punched at that right. same age no, That's like, okay, though. Right. I can't we're, say anything. I'm we're getting kind of silver hair. We're getting kind of close. I'm yeah, just, real close. It's, it's one of those things where right. I didn't seem that far off now. So <clears throat> this guy puts his wife in this rehab out of Utah for 250K. Mm -hmm. And I did not see that coming. Right. It garnished a lot of favor with the court. 
this gal really made an effort, really, really had a great turnaround. For all intents and purposes, it was an incredible, great story. She calls me maybe six months after her case is done. He's in jail. Now, he looks at me. He'd never said much. I mean, I maybe heard yes sir in Spanish only. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked like a, a very, like a guy that took care of himself, looked like the best dressed fella walking out of Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guy, a guy that would get his hands dirty, work, you know, till the, when the sun came up and went, till it went down. <clears throat> so, um, took good care of himself, always held himself up high. So there was something about him that I couldn't put a finger on. Mm-hmm. So I'm visiting him after his arrest. And I'm not going to go into the details of the arrest, but they didn't have much, but they speculated that he was very high-end cartel. Mm-hmm. And he talks to me in perfect English. Oh, snap. I didn't see that coming when I went to visit him. I didn't need it. I speak his language, both of them, perfectly fine. But he said, listen, this is who I am. Do you want to take my case? They don't have any evidence. I'm a ghost. When I chose this life, I chose to spend one-third to two-thirds of my life behind bars. So I'm prepared here. Mm -hmm. Um... Will you represent me? Yeah, I'm just a bored, you know, I'm just a bored dad. I, yeah, I'll, I'll represent you. It sounds fun. Um, it was fun. Two months later, he walks out. Do I feel guilty about that? No, they didn't have any evidence. So it was, right, you did your job. Yeah, I did my job. They just didn't have any evidence. Now I run the firm and I manage the firm and I push and I you know, work with the attorneys and support the attorneys here. And there is that line you got to cross wherein, man, I don't really agree with a lot of what this dude did day in, day out, and how many holes that are out there in the desert. But that's not my job to do that. It's funny you say that because I'll comment on that when you're finished. I'm waiting for the comment because I didn't like that idea but I had to just go, okay, well, this is what he's charged with. They don't have any evidence to pin him. So he gets deported. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where he's at now, who knows? So there you go. I mean, now he's probably just walked right across the border, no big deal. Maybe skipped, get a whistled while they he worked. some money. Yeah, I probably handed him a voucher for a hotel right, room. Yeah. Right, right. That's a whole nother, that's another yeah, segment. D- different segment, different segment. <clears throat> right. So now your comment. So... When I got involved in bail, um, I was, I had the mentality of I'm only going to take certain cases because right. I don't agree with these crimes. And you know, there's a lot of crimes out there that I mean, some that I'd never even heard of, to be quite honest, right. that, that came rolling across. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. I had to look it up. Uh, sex crimes, yeah. child trafficking, all of these crimes that that look on paper and you go, what is going on here? What am I? I'm going to get this guy out of jail. Right. And I had a real struggle with that in yeah. the beginning. And and I wouldn't bail out a s- significant amount of people that are involved in those things. And I was talking with somebody else who's in the industry, and uh, he kind of sat me down, and he, and he set me straight to an extent. He said, look, 
first off, that's out of your scope. That's not what your, your job is not to judge whether they did or didn't do this. Number two, they're not convicted. They have due process like everybody else. Right. And until that gavel goes down and they're convicted or they take a plea or whatever, none of this is, is active for you. You shouldn't be thinking about this. Are there things in place for certain crimes when they come out that they have to follow these rules? Yes. So let's follow that. That's what the court sets up. Let's follow those guidelines. And if they stray from those, put them back. Yeah. Okay. So I then get some of these crimes, and I'm just going to make one up for the for the purpose of the uh, the point. But if somebody has, um, uh, let's say it's child sex crimes of some kind, yeah. In my head, I can't wrap my head around even dealing with that situation. Mm-hmm. However. When I get them out of jail, they have to follow all these guidelines. And if they do, they deserve that day in court right. to find out what the real story is. Because I have learned over the years that law enforcement may not necessarily be that accurate with a lot of stuff. Really? I, I'm shocking. I know. It's shocking. And I am, pro, just for the record, I am pro-cop. I'm pro-police. I'm pro-all of it. However, it seems to be throw 99 things against the wall and maybe two or three will stick. Some of them aren't even relevant in, in, you know, they're just going to throw it out there. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll work or maybe it's a tool to plea against. I don't know. Um, So as time went on, I learned to go, okay, I have to, I have to stay within the scope of what I do. And that is to get people out and just guarantee their appearance in court. Yeah and not get involved in what the actual crimes are, because that's not my job. Statistically in Arizona, you can speak to that. Statistically in Arizona, since they've been really hammering the bond industry, um, we were chatting earlier um, before we started in on this. Um, it's, it's about three-quarters more folks in jail now than used to be Mm -hmm. and i mean the jails are overrun they're releasing folks that you know otherwise would not be released so on and so forth it's like this leaky but you were talking to me about a stat there um what was that so i I, because i might not have gotten it right i I don't know what the exact number is i'm not going to claim so i'm going to make something up for the purpose of the conversation significant increase in warrants yeah um and what so what, why does that affect bail? The defendants are being released on pretrial services, and there are some other nonprofit organizations out there, one of them being the Bail Project, mm-hmm. where donations come in from rich celebrities right. or people or what, whoever, however they get their money. Yeah. And what the process is, is you put an application in online, and then they have volunteers that get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go down and post bonds for these random individuals. They know nothing about them. There's no collateral. There's no skin in the game. Right. There's no follow-up. There's no power of arrest uh, in the event that they are not following release conditions or anything like that because nobody knows what's happening. The only time that there's ever going to be something that comes back into this mix here is when they miss court, which is a very large hence the warrants exactly so now what does that matter for bail right if they were out on bail through a bail agency 
it's our duty to go get them, bring them back to court, right. face the judge. Right. Well, there's no bail company here. Right. There's no. There's nobody. There's nobody supervising their release. No. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Nothing. Right. So what happens is they get a warrant. Where in a normal situation, that would say, okay, I would get my guys together and we would go find them, take them into custody, bring them back to, to jail right. or court. Mm -hmm. So now we're relying on the police departments to pick up the slack who are already cut in half on manpower right. to pick up warrants for failure to appear. Which doesn't happen either, really. They don't. Right. What, they what just wait for them to break the law again or get pulled over speeding. That's it. And even even in situations like that, depending on the case and how busy the officers are, they might not even take them that. Right. They might just say, hey, you got to go to court. You got a warrant, by the way. I've right. heard this story. And oh, then yeah. they come in here go, how did I get my warrant? Blah, 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 blah. And that's why, okay, so back to skin in the game mm -hmm. and somebody showing them this is what you got to do. And when they screw up, his... Grandma Rose died, mm -hmm. and they took off over to Oklahoma to go to the, which we've both seen this, this exact scenario I'm about to say. Mm -hmm. Grandma Rose died, and they went to Oklahoma. They shouldn't have been skipping state. Right. They missed her court appearance. There's a warrant out for them. You're sitting there tapping your foot. You, they've got 15 messages from your crew, from you, from whomever. You go pick them up, drag them back in front of the judge, he actually has a chance in that opera, in that scenario, which happens a lot. He actually has a chance, he or she, to say, Grandma died, I, I messed up. Mm -hmm. And that judge most of the time goes, don't do it again. And extends, you know, the bond carries on, or the, the bail carries on. Um, sometimes they'll throw them back in. We've seen that too. Mm -hmm. Um gone both ways but usually if they have some sort of my grandma died and they, blah, 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 I didn't know I was supposed to and depending on the rap sheet and all that jazz so it's that hand holding that you used to do regularly alliance bail bonds used to do that all the time I mean more than any other bond company we've ever seen um, you guys gave a crap but then you spun a complete 180 on me one day, which I would come to expect from you, Jason. It just is what it is. I, everybody I mean, needs a friend like I, me. I, there is no question. <laughs> everybody it, does. It is so fun. It's entertaining it, it, at best. When, you know? when I call you and I look at my watch and it's 10 o'clock at night, and I'm like, oh, no, we're going to be on the phone till 2. Two hours. It's highly likely Guaranteed. here. Yep. And we're getting older, mm -hmm. and we don't even care. But it, it's great. Whatever we end up getting on the topic... Um, you start going to school. You start trying to figure out that guy on the street. I did. That gal passing out in the stairway. You're, you're trying to figure out how, okay, A, how can I help them better? How can I better understand them? It was almost out of morbid, but I would say pure curiosity. Really, really genuine curiosity because these folks did, like you said earlier, they came from probably a better background than you did. In a lot of cases, you know. Uh, and I, I have a specific uh, client, customer, defendant, whatever title you want to give them, that actually I recall uh, this. And this is when I really said, I got to figure something else out. I had this female defendant, mid-40s, maybe early 50s, somewhere in that range. And she comes in and the, 
the collateral that I took, this is where I really just said, I don't know, how the hell did I get here? Okay. <laughs> one of those days. It was one of those. And I've seen some weird stuff. Yeah. Okay. Real weird. And right. I go, I, there's not much that I go, hmm, never saw that before. Right. But this one came in. So she, <laughs> she comes in with a bunch of garbage. And this wasn't even when I was at your office. I was still over in my other office. Thank you for that. You, you want to be, yeah, this one definitely. So she came in with stuff for collateral and this was not a large bond so i would this was more of a, a mercy bond got it trying to help her out uh, i had worked with some of her family members in the past and she comes in with a stripper pole that's all broken down and did it screw back together yes oh, okay and did you take it home no no I, well this is carry on yeah okay then there was music equipment that goes along with the stripper pole right and this and i didn't know this was coming so this wasn't like i knew that all this stuff was in your face you can't hide it well she comes i mean she's kicking through the door and carrying all this garbage (laughs) and i'm looking at her i go what the hell is this you know and and she goes um this is all i have this this is what i have to to give for collateral and really i should have had the collateral prior to right uh and, and verified it and done all that. But I had, like I said, I had known her family. I've already done bonds. It wasn't a large bond. I was willing to take the chance until she got out. Right. So I'm looking at this stripper pole and the music equipment. And I, I know nothing about music equipment. Did you give stuff. it a try? Did you try it out? No, but I didn't know what it was. Right. right. I'm looking at it. It looked like, it, what it looked like was a curtain rod to me. Okay, gotcha. This, what the hell is she bringing clothes and a curtain rod? I mean, what, right. what are we doing here? And she tells me the story that this was, you know, her side gig that she goes and does private parties for oh. this. And I went, well, now you're unemployed because I'm taking your equipment. Right. So I'm looking at this and, and and clearly there's some drug history here. Sure. There's a lot of issues going on. And I just looked at this and I said, I have got to figure out a way to try to work with these people and maybe change the direction of what they're doing. Not that I'm going to change everybody. No. If I can, if I can help one person out of the thousand that I talk to, maybe it's worth it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I take the stripper pole, I, I log everything in, and I'm and I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm, I'm just scratching my head, and going, "How the hell did I get here? I still don't understand why I'm here." Okay. <laughs> so I end up uh, enrolling in my in a master's program for addiction therapy and counseling. Right. I want to learn how to figure this out to make a change, not just put a Band-Aid on it and see them again in a month. Right. That is the scope of the business. That is the industry. Sure. But from from an empathetic side, I, I want these people to win. Right. You know what I mean? I'm tired of seeing the same guy that I've dealt with over and over and over for three years in a row, yeah. progressively physically looking worse right. and worse and worse. And his living conditions are worse. And everything is worse. Having kids all over the place. Right. Uh, you know, there's CPS is involved constantly. Uh, you know, what, whatever. Just a drain on himself and everything he touches. It's a disaster. Yeah. And there's no direction. And yeah. these, these guys are set up to fail in a sense once they are able to fix themselves with their case. Say this particular case comes to an end. They get probation. They get the a lot of these guys are not in a position to be able to meet all these requirements. Right. You know, as you know, I mean, a lot of times they have, they got a call in the morning, they get, there's a color that they get, they got to run down and pee, but they have to have a job. They have to have, 
mode of transportation. They have no transportation. So they don't have a car. They don't have a license. They have a job, but they have to leave that job in the middle of the day to go take a drug test. They got to take the bus there. It's six hours before they're going to get back to their job. They're going to get fired. Guess what? Now they're violating because they don't have a job anymore. They're missing. So the whole thing is just a big circle of of doom for them. You know, so a lot of them mentally can't even handle how to navigate through this. So that's where I would come in to try to not from a not from a therapy side of things, right. but more like a life coach. Here's the things that we need to do, because these guys don't have support. Right. A lot of them, they don't have support or girls, whatever. They don't have that. They don't have mom and dad at home saying, "Hey, look, you got to do this today." Here's or they've the, burned that bridge. Or, or the bridge is burned, yeah. or they're gone, or they're on the street, right. whatever it may be. Yep. They've been through this rodeo a thousand times yep. and nobody wants to help anymore. Right. And I get that too. Yep. I do understand. Uh, so my goal was to try to figure out, okay, how do I communicate with them? What is going to benefit them the best, not just from the legal standpoint, but also from a life choice standpoint? How do we, how do we at least point them in the right direction? If they don't want it, there's nothing I'm going to say right. that's going to fix them. Nothing. Right. Uh, but if they do want it, I'll work as hard as they want to work to help them. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Cause it, it does. It's how we're wired. It's how we're yeah. wired. And that's why you guys always sent, um, and still do. That's why we've enjoyed such a good relationship with Alliance, uh, bail bonds because Arizona firm Alliance, we kind of think alike. So if we can, all right, the better the client or in your, in, in, it's your client too. Mm-hmm. A lot of these times, sure. The better the client and the better, the better habits they don't develop. And the better they start to come to, I need to hang out with different people. Mm-hmm. I need to spend my time doing different things. I need to develop different habits. And they're, it's remarkably simple in our minds, right. but very hard for them to comprehend that at the beginning. But when you say that will help lubricate this, these skids that we're on, mm-hmm. that will help with the ultimate outcome of not only your life, but your legal predicament you're finding yourself in that will significantly help. So let's be part of your team. So when we have Alliance or Jason on the other end too, that is helping them kind of look at stepping stones mm-hmm. that they can achieve. My whole thing, and I spent a lot of time in my own head trying to figure out certain things, and a lot of things don't even make it to the table, right? Right. Because I change directions. I try to figure something out. But it really comes down to if you're dealing with somebody that's a 30-year-old male that has had nothing but trauma their entire life, no solid foundation whatsoever, zero trust, everything that they've ever tried to do, they've been let down on. Right. We get them at 30 years old. I can't expect that they're gonna change in a month. Right. It's not gonna happen. It took them 30 years to get like this. Right. How long is it gonna to take to undo this? However, if we can get a small win, my whole program that I would try to do is a small win. Just one. Let's get a small win, really simple thing, and you're gonna find that if you do this, you succeed. And it could be a something as simple as going to get a job. Right. I had a guy come in one day and you know he's he had to come and check in and he's a disaster. I mean and he's he's on his way to a job interview. 
and I'm looking at him. I go, well, what are you, what are you applying for? And he told me what it was. And it, it was a retail sales position. Uh, I think it was at a cell phone store. You know something about that. I do. He was, a, he was going to a cell phone store. And I said, okay. And I said, let's take a look. And this is not, I'm not beating on you, but let, we're going to do a mock interview. Okay. Tell me, I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to respond. And he's responding. And immediately he wasn't getting hired by me. Right. Okay. So we cleaned up some of the things that he said, and I'm looking at him, and I said, you, you can't go to your interview like this because he was really in bad shape. So I told him to go over to the Goodwill store because he didn't have a lot of money, get a shirt with a collar, get a pair of pants that are not torn with jeans or dirty or whatever, get those two items, come back here. So he did. He came back, and he's putting on all his stuff, and you could automatically see a change already. Right. I don't think the guy's ever worn a collar shirt. At, in, at least in himself, too. The pride. Right. Just the pride. And this is right here in this office next right. door. Right. So we're talking, and I'm looking at him, and I'm kind of going up and down, and he doesn't have a belt. And I go, okay, well, you didn't get a belt, and I didn't tell you to get a belt, so that's, that's on me. So I gave him my belt. I said, I want this belt back. Okay? Right. You can use it, but I want the belt back. So right. the kid comes back, and, and he got two jobs that day. And it was, you would have thought this kid hit the lottery. Right. Because it was such a big deal for him. And right. for me, I'm like, yeah, okay, great. You know, in my head, for me, if I went to go get that, okay, great, I got hired by this place. No, it wasn't a big deal, right? For this kid, it was life-changing. And it was really cool to see that. And I, I thrive on stuff like that. Yeah. It's not a big win, but it's something. But it is a win. It's and a you win. can see that that momentum is what... You and I still have to create our own momentum oh, yeah. every day of our lives. And these folks are, this is their first set of, you know, mm -hmm. they grew up on wah-wah whoopsie. You're right. cool because you're cool. Right. Uh, until you find out you're not special at all and you're not cool because you're cool. You're cool because of what you do. Right. And that change is usually about 20 years old. Right. That's when you start to recognize the cool kid in, in high school that maybe he's the the pot smoker, he's the cool kid with the nice car right. and all that. He's been working, but the job is a minimum wage job. But in high school, that's good that's to a do lot everything you want to right. do, right? Sure. Then you become 20 years old, and all the girls in high school that that you were trying to impress are no longer impressed anymore because it's real life. Right. And now you're becoming that guy that you didn't want to be. You were the cool kid, but now you're not anymore because the other not-so-cool kids either went to school, got educated, learn to trade, whatever it may be, are progressing in their life. And now they're becoming the cool kids and you're being left behind. It's amazing. It's, it's such an interesting take on that because you drive down Rodeo Drive now and it's, you know, you're, you're basically hoping not to hit somebody that's homeless. Mm -hmm. And the drugs, and you said 85%, and I probably would agree. It's that somewhere That's close somewhere that. real close <clears> to 85%. We've got... A drug problem which is it the chicken or the egg with the the mental health stuff and I don't know we can debate that all day long mm -hmm. but the reality is is to have somebody in this industry like no one would think and that's why I wanted you on here no one would think what, what a bail bondsman like where's your cape because I got those calls I got to feel that from you mm -hmm. it built me as a person or helped build me somewhat 
and our firm and our culture here. And I feel like we contributed to your um, business as well because we've loved your employees oh, and your sure. culture it was, as well. It was a good relationship. Fantastic, copacetic relationship that just kind of, but where's, where's Jason's cape? Because I know you cared. You have this tough exterior, and, and you are tough because I wouldn't mess with you for all the tea in China, but you're looking at these people as people. And you want to be at least a stepping stone. You want them to at least grab hold of that one outfit and how it changed that young man mm-hmm. for a day and maybe for a lifetime. I'm a fixer by nature. Okay. Um, and that, that's, but I would never say that a few years back. And, right. Oh, forget it. You're on your own. Get out of here. You know, right. that was my mentality. Figure it out. Walk it off. Whatever, right. however you want to look at that. But I'm a fixer by nature. The biggest frustration that I have personally is that when somebody puts a challenge out there and they say, okay, you're going to do this, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to go 100 miles an hour to accomplish that. The, the challenge that I have is that the people that are looking for the help maybe only want to put 20% effort in. Right. I'll put the 100 in. They're doing 20. I can't want it more than them. Right. And that's where I struggle as a person and I go, I don't understand this. I, I have the tools. We can fix this, but you're not performing. Right. So then I have to go back at why aren't we performing? And I have to dissect that whole thing. And sometimes people just don't want to. Right. And that that's their choice. So the, the part that I chase is that I can't care more than them. Right. I will match their energy. So if you want to go 200 miles an hour, I'm in. I like to go fast. Yeah. If you're going to go slow... I can deal with that, but you got to tell me that. Yeah. You can go tortoise, you can go hare. But don't expect to come in and say, hey, I really want to fix this, and then leave it at that. Because in my mind, that means we're sprinting. Got it. And we're going to fix this. If we're going to just take it baby steps, then we got to communicate that. Do you feel like you've gotten better at seeing that in people? I'd, I'm probably lying a little bit when I say I, I see it, but I still don't get it. Got it. I try to I try to pull myself back and, and I have to pump the brakes a little bit and go, they're not me. Right. And I'm not them. Right. And I'm not living their situation. I'm here to help. So I have to go by their time frame. I'm gonna say something that's not popular right now. With their audience, maybe they're gonna like it, maybe they're not, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to. Who knows? But when we were growing up, there was the fat kid. Mm-hmm. There was the nerd mm-hmm. that had glasses on. And then there was the dorks, the dweebs. But we didn't mean anything by the fat kid. That was just his identifying factors. Right. It was the fat kid because there was only one in the entire bloody school. Mm -hmm. All right. We're not there anymore, Toto. We are not in Kansas anymore. Okay. So now it's kind of like we're talking to these folks that did grow up the way we did. And every one of them has an addict somewhere nearby within arm's, li- arm's reach. Um, every one of them has family, uh, you know, a lot of divorces and a lot of you know, separations and a lot of this is and a lot of weird things happening all around that we were reading about in dirty magazines when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the world that we're kind of living in. And we're starting to see this. I believe we're starting to see this surge of, of folks that want to kind of contribute 
positively to this culture that we're, we've lost. We've kind of flushed a culture down the toilet. Mm -hmm. And I saw it when you were doing bail bonds of all things in the world, this bail bondsman that had a heart that did not want to tase that person, didn't want to handcuff them, didn't want them to fail, didn't want to take their stripping pole because that's their side hustle. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to do that. You wanted to contribute. So you go back to school, you learn, try to learn how they're wired, try to get some understanding in the whole thing. There are people that have all of these things around them. And if they just stop for a second and look, okay, this is where I can help. That's where they're, they're, that's where they're at right now. And if it's at a place wherein they want to move forward and they want better for themselves and they're willing, that in my opinion, the willing part is kind of what you've been alluding to, the willing. It, it, it has to be their decision. Yeah. It can't be mom and dad's. I, right. I can't tell you the amount of phone calls that I've had that, hey, we want to bond out little Johnny, uh, but we're going to take him straight to rehab. I said, well, does little Johnny want what? to go to right. rehab? Because here's what happens is we're going to bond out little Johnny and we're going to bring him to rehab and he's going to blow out of there in six hours. And he's going to be on the street. And we're not going to know where he is. Right. Because they can't keep him. And it happens all the time. And all that's time. why I call you, hey, what's the what's a good rehab right now? This is the insurance that we have, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. How about cash pay? What's the best one? I mean, because you know those things. I, I do. And and only because of going back to how do we help, right? Right. I, now, if I have a conversation with that defendant, they're still in custody, and I talk to the parents, and there's a plan, well, well let's execute the plan. Yeah. How are we going to ensure that while they're in rehab, will that rehab assist in getting them to court? Right. Uh, there are some- Some that, will, that don't. Some that will not. Right. Some that will not even allow communication. And right. For whatever reason their policy is, that's fine. However, there has to be a plan here because it can't be as simple as let's pull them out throw him in rehab and nobody's going to talk to him for 90 days. Right. That won't work. Right. Because typically they're going to have their court case in between that period of time. It's true. And if the attorney, because you always did like to have attorneys on board, because we have that, we have that uh, attorneys, you know, here at the Arizona firm, we'll have that, that bat line with mm -hmm. the, with the court. Mm -hmm. So we got the judge and the prosecutor to, to communicate that to. And so our lawyers here are like, okay, hold on. They're 90 days shut down rehab. And more times than not, judges will let that fly. They actually, from my experience, they're happy to hear that. Right. Assuming they're doing the correct right. things. If they blow out of rehab right. 13 days into it, changes the dynamics of the entire It kind of goes 180 on you there. Real The quick. good feeling gone, and right. now you're once bitten, twice shy, right. and you're the chick that got left all dressed up for the prom and no date. Exactly. Not a good scenario to be in. Not at all. If that gal is the is the judge, mm -hmm. right? And she just put her best lipstick on, and you're in deep guano now. And, and everybody's on your team, all standing there, except you're not there. Right. That's the problem. It's a problem. Yeah, it is. That is. And I've been on that side of it too, and had that conversation. And yeah. uh, you know, there's not much you can do about it except the the process to recover them. I'd love to get the bail back the way it used to be at like a long time ago, not just a few years ago, mm -hmm. like a long time ago. Um, once they started going equity, equity right. once they started going kind of race cardy on us, once they started going that direction, look, you ran your company out of this office for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. 
And I saw all the colors of the rainbow coming in and out of here. Colors are relevant. Exactly. I did not see one more than the other. It did not matter. And so there were Latinos posting bail through you guys. There was um, black folks posting bail through you guys. There was white dudes posting bail through you guys. I wouldn't even know who they are at the time because all I get is a name and a birthday. Right. And so So. the, the way they're playing that bothers me. That really bothered me. And that was at the beginning. And now they've got so much momentum, but there's no skin in the game for the actual defendant now and to where that person is more reluctant, in my opinion, to change. Mm -hmm. So my experience with this, and I'm getting calls daily uh, for people that go, hey, I'm calling every bail bond company around and nobody answers the phone. Well, I would say probably more than half over the last couple of years have closed the doors because they don't want to deal with the aggravation factor that's involved. When the judges don't support, the police don't support, the clerk of the courts don't want to even hear from you. Um, The defendants don't like you because the only time you're really going to have contact with them is when it's a a bad situation after they've been released. Um, There's no support there from anybody. It really makes it difficult to want to continue to go down this road. But what's happening now that everybody's closed their doors, we're starting to see an uptick on the phone calls. Well, there's nobody to help us. Well, the same time you were protesting and marching that this isn't fair, You've eliminated the only people that can help you. Right. So now everybody's up in arms. Well, there's nobody left to help us. Well, that's because of this big push and COVID didn't help. Right. No. That, that right. killed everybody. Yeah. So what ends up happening is that we have a very limited amount of bail bondsmen and the ones that are still available are very selective on who they're going to deal right. with. Right. Because they just don't want the aggravation factor. Right. There's just it's not worth it. Right. Um, the money is that. not. The, the, it's it's a risk reward thing. That's it. And it's yeah. and we don't have to write a bond. And it's and it's sad because it's like if we were were to rewind ten, I would go more like 15, 20 years ago. It seemed like all right, whether. Okay, so we what we would see a lot. If I mean, this is, I know you remember this. What we would see a lot is these folks would come in and say, we can afford Alliance or we can afford to pay you. Mm-hmm. And that. you were the first one to say, pay them. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't disagree with that. I'm like, yeah, good representation is very important. However, and, and if we could find a middle ground here, mm-hmm. um, because there's not a whole lot of growth to be done in jail. Right. And let's face it, the perception is when you're standing in front of the judge, if you're in in the stripes or if you're in a suit. Right. There's a difference. There is a difference. Yep. I I mean, there is a presentation difference. There's clearly some kind of support on the outside. Right. By whether it's family or you have resources, whatever that may be, that there's a potential of success there. Yeah. If you are released from custody. If you're stuck in jail and... You've been in there for three months. Yeah, you're, you're just sitting there listening to Guido and Joe yeah. telling you, you that all about their bloody stories of how many times they've been in prison and what happened then and what happened there. This is what you can expect legally because right. they're all they're professionals. All right. Every one of Every them. One and of they're them. all bail bondsmen, oh. too. They all know the law. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but they're all still in there, which right. is it's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. Which is, it's which pretty is, interesting. Which is cool. The, the you going back to school thing really just got me. 
Because when I when I saw it happen, it's like, Dad Gum, you are the most confused. I, we probably use some choice language on this. Yeah, that's we okay. always do. Um, you are so bloody confused, dude. Very. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> if, if you could like, spend ten minutes in here, you'd be exhausted. You like, need a week nap. Yeah. Okay? You're like, um, yeah. So it is, it is interesting and it moves quick. But sometimes it's, I can't even stop it to to understand what I was just thinking. I about, love so. it though. I did. I just think the curiosity and the front is tough guy. But, it's not a front. But That's it who is, I am. Yeah, you're tough. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really are. I yeah, would yeah, yeah, yeah. don't get on the bad side. But the reality is, is loyalty and absolute. I mean, you want someone to win. I do. You do not root for failure. I don't. You, I you really don't have a it. negative vibe in your body. And so I'm sitting there. But you. But you will pop off a little bit just I, to, just to lay off some steam. I am. <laughs> it's uh, like a release. I'm valve. very vocal. Yeah. So when things don't go my way, I, I will uh, throw a temper tantrum, yeah. maybe. I love uh, it. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a release valve. Hey, I'm working on it. It's, it's a awesome. working process, okay? <laughs> um, I, I do feel that way, but at the same time, my energy is going to be matched by whoever I'm dealing with. So yeah. if they come at me at a calm, peaceful manner, that's what you're going to get a yeah. response from. If you come hot, rolling in hot, and, and there's a lot of people that do, yeah. and it's, somehow it's my fault they're in jail right. um, and I have to navigate through that and kind of figure out why it's my fault. Um, so depending on how they, they engage in the conversation is how the response is going to be. Interesting. Um, and a lot of times it'll be like that with family too. We're dealing with a very emotional situation. I don't care if you've been to jail 3000 times or once. Right. Nobody wants to be there. Everybody wants out and everybody is emotional and they've, all of them are innocent. Yeah. Every one of them. Right. Nobody's ever done it. Right. Um, which, hey, that's great. It's, okay. again, not my, not up to me not to make that spot. decision. Right. right. Um, so when I deal with this, I have to re, replay in my head that um, I'm serving a purpose here in a very stressful situation for that particular family. Right. Sometimes I don't recall that or remember it because of the conversations that are happening. Yeah. Um, so I have to, I have to check myself quite a bit. Bring down the temperature. Bring I do. down the temperature. I do because I have control of this right. of the conversation. Right. And a lot of times, I'm getting better, but I haven't always been great at keeping the temperature down. Yeah. Uh, if they throw gas on the fire, I'm going to let it, it burn. Yeah, it's tough. It is because you're in a you're in a tight spot, and, and there's not a lot spot. of time to think about no anything. Tons of emotion yep. and a lot of money involved. Right. So those two things together, flammable. It's just a, it's a tough situation. Yeah. So. I want to keep doing pods with you as often as you can, because you have this unique experience of life that is, you can't, you're not going to find another Jason Roke ever. Oh, I've been looking, <laughs> I've been looking just you because look you've right been areas. gone for a while and I've been lonely and I've been looking. So the only way I'm going to get you back here is in front of a microphone. Let's just, this is BS sometime. All right. Uh, because the folks out there are dealing with an addict. The folks out there are dealing with somebody that's addicted to a screen, somebody that's addicted, somebody that won't go out and work, somebody that won't better themselves. And those or, are all similar situations. Right. Different outlets, right? Right. They're, They're everywhere. Similar. All everywhere. of us are dealing with that. And I feel like we have a voice that we've seen, okay, some real ugly side and then a little less ugly side and then, but not much of the pretty side. But everybody's looking at some of that ugly side. 
And I would say probably, and I'm sure somebody out there will correct me on this, but over the last 10, 15 years, there has been a significant change in mental health yep. concerns, right? 20 years ago, if somebody told me, hey, go to a therapist, go talk to somebody. A shrink? You're out of a your mind. A shrink? You're out of your mind. Right. Okay, I'm going to walk it off. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do something. Where's the dirt? Yeah. And I'm going to rub it on That's there. it. I'm not, de- you're, I'm going to talk to you about how I feel. Get right. out of here. You know, right. and, and I'll be the first one to say that. Yeah. And then I got involved in this and I go, huh, everybody is broken. Yeah. In some sense. Yep. I don't care what it is. We can all put on the front and usually those are the more broken people. Right. So the fact that I can uh, replay some of this stuff in my head and go, huh, you're not there either. You know, right. and and just be part of that emotional change yeah. uh, is is huge for me. And a lot of people that I that I have had in my life since I was kids, everybody's starting to see a little bit of a shift. Whether you have a kid or a family member who's struggling in whatever fashion, and yeah. it may not just be drugs; it could right. be anything. Right. It, it could be, be depression. Too, it, it could be, be depression. It could be pornography. Could, it could be lazy. It yeah. could be they don't feel good about themselves, mm-hmm. and and all they do is watch, you know, their their electronics all and, day and long. That, that has become propaganda, huge. So whatever it is that you focus on, right? These, and I, I don't know how it works. I'm not going to claim that I do, but I know every time I talk about something, when my phone's around and I pull up, an ad will pop up about what I was talking about. Isn't that interesting? And it's a little scary too. It's real scary. It, it's scary. It is. We it, can get into that some. Yeah, we'll time. talk about that's another because another show. the mental health aspect. When you were so- talking about shrink time, um, way back, you know, when when we were watching, you know, the trailer of the Fall Guy, which was probably the coolest trailer of all TV shows of all time. Definitely that was just show. bad. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee Majors, he was great. But anyway, we didn't. They called him a shrink mm-hmm. in Dallas. You know, Jr. with his scotch yep. there or whatever. And somebody inevitably had a shrink and they were looked down upon in the show and all that jazz. And then all of a sudden you start seeing these commercials for, you know, I'm sad. Now I took a pill and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And those start popping up on the TV screen. And you start seeing that and you start seeing more and more of those types of things being um, accepted and more special type of classes being created in schools and yada yada it seems like man we used to call them a bum because we'd see one every once in a blue moon now we call them what are they called now what's the great word for it nowadays they're uh without homeless they're oh. without home rent or whatever they're yes. not they, they just changed the term. Yeah, it's no longer, you can't even call them homeless. Unsheltered, unsheltered or un- yeah, unsheltered uh, individuals or something along those lines. I, which, I, I, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's these folks, we're, we're, we're growing them mm-hmm. and they're becoming more and more plentiful. And, and so there's a counterculture to that. And I feel like we are part of that for good or bad. And it's interesting that we're both kind of wanting to be for the good part mm-hmm. of the counterculture and help these folks that want to be helped. And that, that's a, a big part of that is that whatever, I don't think we have a solution. I'm, I don't have a solution. Right. I'm not going to claim I do. And I think that from, a, from society's point of view, a lot of people want to help. But more than that, they don't want it in their neighborhood. Right. So, oh, I feel bad for that person, but let's move them over here. Right. Get them out of this area. So 
what is the solution? I mean, we have the, obviously they're trying to do this big thing in Phoenix where they're trying to get rid of that modified little encampment that's right. down there. Right. Uh, you know, they have a certain amount of time to get everybody out of there. Okay, well, where are you putting them? We're renting hotel rooms. Eloy. Right. We're just, Why not? We're just moving them right. to other locations. Right, we're just moving locations. them around. The problem's still there. The problem isn't going away. Right, it's not going not, away. Not with this. And so your approach is whomever wants out of that scenario mm -hmm. can get out of that scenario. Their pace, if they want to go 200 miles an hour, they want to go 40. There are ways out. There are ways out. We've seen it. There are, and there's a lot of good programs out there, yeah. right? We've seen it work. Absolutely. But the good programs require effort yeah. that a lot of these folks just don't understand. They don't know how to navigate through it. What works requires work. Exactly. And work is something that people are, are starting to develop. Did you? I love the story where you sent the guy down to the Goodwill to get something with a collar and something yeah. that, that buttoned up that, that looked all right. Didn't not even dirty. have to match. Right. Just get you didn't something give with a collar. Big, and, no. and the change in that individual was palpable. Was right then and there I'm feeling a little bit. So those small little things add what we call, I call, momentum building and carrying that on. It works both ways, though, because mm. it can go the other way. Oh, and, and it, they've and already, it has, sure, and, it and we've seen it go. Sure. Backslide, backslide, backslide. We've seen that. But you see, the, you see a good result once you can't unsee it. Right. They know it can be done, right? And that's, that's why it was really critical for me to do small things like super things uh, things for you and i is just part of daily activities right for some of these guys it's a big deal right like it's a really big deal to <clears throat> excuse me to go and pick up some clothes from goodwill and to actually process going through an interview right that's something they've never done right really don't even know how right you know didn't know that when you go in you're supposed to shake somebody's hand and maybe have your own pen with you right and look presentable and speak looking into somebody's eyes. And so Corporal Jason said, go down to Goodwill. You didn't send him to Dillard's. No. Go down to, or even Ross Dress for Less for that matter. No, you need go down to bucks. Goodwill. Right. You got go down six to bucks, Goodwill. Go get it. Because you have that kind of money. Right. Because you wanted it to come from him. It had and, to be from him. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't do it. See, I love it. And so to me, work and those that are willing to work, there are tools Simple and small, like you're talking about, all the way up to big and great mm -hmm. tools, too, um, depending on the situation. But the more we talk about those, the more we get them out there, the more we're suggesting to those that have loved ones that they want to dump all their money into for this rehab or this solution or that particular potential job or whatever else. But the individual doesn't, it doesn't care yet. He's not there. There's so he, many. she not there. They got to hit rock bottom. They've got to hit bottom. There's so many wealthy parents out there that have a kid that has challenges that all they want to do is throw money at it. And right. I said, money is not going to solve this problem. Right. We can put them in the best rehab on the planet. They don't want it. Right. And oftentimes they've been to three or four of them. I had a true story. I had a guy that was in a rehab that I was working at who literally had been to rehab 27 times. This was 20, number 27 when we had him. Did it work? No. Okay. No. And, so and there's going to be a 28. He ended up, well, 
that could have been, he might be at 40 at this point, or he could, I don't know if he's even alive at this point. And that's very difficult too. I've had to deal with a lot of that where I've treated somebody and six months later I find out they're gone. And that for me, I take that really personal and, and I shouldn't, but I carry that weight because what could have I done differently or better? Yeah. And a lot of times that answer doesn't exist. Yeah. It has nothing to do with me, but we do too. We deal with that as well. Yeah. And it's not, it's a very, um, I feel defeated when that happens. Sobering phone call. I got a while back. Um, somebody that, uh, one of the attorneys here handled, um, committed suicide in a hotel room right next to where his sister had OD'd. Yeah. And he had done fantastic, meaning he'd gotten through a two-year rehab, and this prosecutor bent over backward to allow that to finish out. Mm-hmm. He finished up with a, uh, a skill. He was running a business, and the minute he called our firm one day, and I just so happened to be the one that picked up the phone because Ann was at lunch, and it was him. He's like, hey, you got a girlfriend. I'm like, oh, no. Because, I mean, he's been out of rehab for 10 and a half minutes, two-year one. Right. And I'm like, oh, no. That was my first thought, and I knew yeah. it. I knew, she I was just, probably out of rehab herself. I, I don't know. Right. I just, the tingle inside, went, the, the, the flag went up. I've oh, seen no. that a lot. And, in fact, it's, it's encouraged to not right. get into a relationship. you got to know you really well, really well. And, and, have a, and have a track record a little bit before you start to do the dating thing and courting thing and develop a, a relationship of that magnitude. So, I mean, who am I to say that? But all I know is, oh, no. When I get this call, yeah. six weeks later, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the interesting part of that story, unfortunately, the interesting part of that story is the prosecutor calls me out of the blue bawling I could have kept him in jail mm-hmm. I didn't have to I didn't have to extend the time from because he was going to go to prison mm-hmm. but we just cut it down from three and a half years to one right Brian did a great job on that case I mean a stellar holy crap job on that case because this dude should have been in five years plus and yet he was able to finish rehab get a skill and he was going to do the minimum of one the minimum one year prison time Mm -hmm. and he didn't have a problem with that he was going to own his mistake and he had already served time in prison far beyond that amount of time Mm -hmm. so this prosecutor was devastated that maybe it was his fault and when i saw that side of a prosecutor which i don't get that opportunity very often right most criminal defense attorneys or attorneys in general, we're adversarial, and we don't see that human side. I'll, I'll, I will praise that man for his heart um, from here on out. I mean, it immediately got him over to Brian and let Brian kind of walk him through some of the ins and outs with that. But the fact that I was the first one on the phone and kind of handling that fall apart there mm-hmm. was... I couldn't believe it. Like, I'd never seen that before. So I don't feel like we're alone, and I feel like there's a lot of opportunities to help and lift and encourage and, and to be part of someone's momentum 
and and not a deterrent. How easy it is, has been for me and my in, in historically to possibly deter a momentous, you know, something that has gained some momentum by talking and or, or by, you know, I'm not really guilty of this much at all, but I probably could have handled a handful of situations a whole heck of a lot better if I had them to do over again. Oh, self-reflection on some of this stuff. I, mean, I do it every day. Yeah, you got to. Otherwise, every it stacks day. up on you and it's too much to go through. Well, I mean, I, we make mistakes every day, and then I try not to repeat them. Right. right? Sometimes I still do. Um, no. I know. Shocking. But I, I'm a slow learner. Yeah, me too. But I try to focus on, <clears throat> okay, that didn't work out so well last time. Let's try to do it a little bit better this time. And yeah. even if it's just a small change, at least it's a change. Right. right. And, and it's just one of those things that hopefully someday we'll be able to affect enough change in other people's lives that it will make an imprint that they can pass that on to the next person. That's and that's kind of where I'm getting is I believe that that momentum in one could be momentum in two, three, four, mm -hmm. and there's strength in numbers. Sure. There's strength in numbers. We've seen that the, the birds of a feather flock together. We've seen how that works where there's still some issues with the feathers that the birds and the, the whatever, blah, 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 but they're going in a good direction. And so they're going to get to a good destination. Or the journey's good, mm -hmm. anyway. There's a motivational speaker out there that I, that I used to listen to quite a bit, and he his one of his statements was always, "Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future." I like that. Okay, so when I heard that, I went, "Huh." Now I have some idiot friends. No, 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 you I, don't. I've not met any sorry, of them. Sorry, boys, but I've not I met mean, any of them. I know, no, not at all, right? Um, but you go back to the loyalty. Am I M one? No, no, no. I, 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 didn't, I didn't put you there. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, but that being said, there's qualities from a lot of these different people. I, I have friends that are on every spectrum of life. Yep. I have guys that are motorcycle club guys. I have friends that are CEOs of companies. I have, you know. Yeah. You name it. I've crossed paths and, and developed relationships yep. with these people. And I can be just as friendly to the guy that's the president of a motorcycle club and get along and speak that language just as well as I can with the guy who's the CEO. Right. And we, there's something in common on both ends. Right. So to be able to affect a change, you have to be able to kind of live uh, along the lines of what their, their mentalities are, meaning don't assume every single person in this group is going to be that way. Because they're not. A lot of people look at me and go, "Wow, that guy's a real jerk." Right. True. However, <laughs> there is a soft side there if you can get around that corner. Yeah. If we can make it past the initial judgment of me, no. Right? And I never got to have that experience, and I'm kind of pissed with me. Be yeah, because I wanted could, to be able to I mean, get that, through but... that a little bit. No, I got to see it. We got along right away. Though. Right away, it was like, right. "Hey, uh, I, you know that." You know, that person you're representing, uh, blah, 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 blah. How are they doing? I like this guy. This is the bail bonds guy? Yeah. I like this guy. And then, you know, eventually fortune had it that, you know, we got to hang out in the same building for quite a few years. And I've been very, so I never got the prickly. I never got to hug the cactus. So, because I knew better. Yeah. Saw the cactus. I just knew better. It's all a trick. Right. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. What it's are we going to do? But we're trying to do some good out here. So let's do this pod and thing again 
And I'm going to go with your, I would too, because I would, there are so few people with your background, like a significant background. And I'm not just talking um, uh, your military background, which is God bless you. I'm not talking about your bail bonds, which I feel like God bless you there too, big time. And you have other companies that you've sold, that you bought, purchased. I mean, you're a good businessman, and it's awesome that you're rolling that way. And you do the bonds thing, Mm -hmm. and you're helping folks, and you're teaching yourself, not just by going and getting your master's degree, but also practicing what you learned and picked up along the way, all along the way, and then readdressing it each day, readdressing it each day, and kind of figuring it out kind of not making that mistake and kind of learning from that win, learning from that loss. A lot of it for me is self-serving, right? to be, to be totally honest. Um, I get a lot out of helping somebody else. It, it really fuels me. It makes me, it settles me, and it makes me feel better about who I am. You're almost a holy roller because, you know, ah, you're the service that. of your fellow man. Yeah, maybe so, but... Not intentionally, I, uh, but I. Oh, I know to. that part. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really do believe that with a little bit of effort, everybody can win. Yeah, I agree. And that probably sounds corny, but whatever. Um, I just want people to at least try, just try. Love it. Whatever happens, happens. I love it. Let's talk again. It was I'm awesome. In. I love it. Thanks for the invite. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. it. Bye.